from the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company. Fireball for one-timer. Score! Nathan McKinnon with an absolute laser beam. One time to through Vasilevsky. And ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, this is a tie hockey game. Three on two for the Avalanche. Manson McKinnon back for Manson. Tapped over. Score! Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. It is Cofield and Company. Hour number three. Final hour here on the Killing His Homies edition of the program here on this Monday. You just pointed out, and we could uh we could just start off with this. It doesn't have to be part of the big five. A better who oh, has what a five hundred dollar free bet, was it? Yes. And decided to Parlay three different future tickets for three teams to win the titles. Was it Warriors, Rams, and Avalanche? Yeah. So I guess it was through Bet MGM. They confirmed a better turned in a free, like you said, $500 bet. Could have bet on anything. Sure. He decides to do a three team futures Swing parlay. Big. NFL, NBA, NHL champion futures. Rams at 10 to 1, Warriors at 6 to 1. And the Avalanche, which at the time were six to one to win it. I want to know if once they made the Stanley Cup final, if he if he hedged in any way, shape, or form, because he got if Tampa Bay was a slight underdog in the series, you're laying a flat rate to I mean, it didn't cost him anything anyway, but to guarantee him something, if you knew that the payoff was two hundred and sixty nine thousand dollars and whatever the lightning were to start the series, I mean, do you put Thousand dollars? Oh yeah, at yeah, least you had right. To have hedged. Yeah, um, and I would think maybe earlier, even in the postseason, try to get some, you know, set up some positions. Depending on how this, yeah, it, it, it's possible this person opened up an account, got the five hundred dollar free bet, and was like, "My first ever bet. I, I don't even know anything about betting. I'm just going to bet these three. That's possible. Yeah, but if it's somebody who's an, who's a better, I'm sure they set themselves up with some positions uh, to win some hedges. But um, in yeah, because you could have bet. You could have bet against the Avalanche each series and got a plus price. Sure. And even if you laid 5000 each series, but yeah. four series, so twenty grand, Or you could have even had like three or four of the teams, like, you know, could have had the Lightning, could have had, other te- you know, yeah. like the, whoever, the Oilers, a couple teams just to win the title at even longer odds and uh, hedge it out that way. There's different ways you could do it, obviously. Uh, but either way, didn't didn't even matter in the end because they won uh, the entire thing. So good job by them. And I saw a couple of these tickets yesterday. So more and more of these are starting to hit. Battle Born Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five. Number five. All right. Cut you off. It's good. No, we're good. Okay. Let's roll. Um, I want to start. I, I want to first, you know, obviously uh, work here at, at the Review Journal and a Review Journal story uh, dropped this weekend. Uh, give full credit to Brian Erickson and Mike Akers, a couple of 
uh, my coworkers and uh, many, many other people who contributed on just a kind of a story of um, how the Raiders are like many other franchises. And we've talked about uh, Title IX and all the impact that it's had on, on women in sports and the progress that has been made, but uh, that there is a bit of a boys club culture potentially around the Raiders and a lot of different documentations and lawsuits and things that have happened uh, in the past. I know, you know, the, the Raiders have talked about cleaning up a lot of that, just like many other teams have as well. Uh, but it's it's a work in progress, and certainly, you know some of the some of the things that have been alleged or some of the things that have been uh, sued over in the past are you know concerning and troubling. And, and I think um, there's you know anytime there's reporting like this that is done like I said, like I said by my colleagues, there's going to be follow ups, and it's usually just kind of the tip of the iceberg. But um, definitely concerns raised about the culture uh, with the Raiders, and and again, this is part of many many different franchises across sports uh but never good to hear that people are not feeling comfortable in their workplace no and when this came up not this story but in general like i remember it was just before the WNBA season started because i was talking to mark davis at the home opener and you know i had made mention to him i was like hey i bet you're glad the Good to have a, a distraction like this, meaning the Aces now, you know, to to get your mind off things. Come here. I know how much you love women's basketball. I'm not even worried about the other thing because you know that that'll just play itself out. But the but but the point is is that it it, it was a topic and it had come up about the workplace, right? With Entrelli and and things that were coming up. So when you sent this over, we we're you know. In outlining, it said more problems with the Raiders. And I saw someone else, I think it was a tweet or somebody put it, but it said more problems. Is it more or is it It's what they were talking about a couple of months ago and now Brianna and Mick have done a good job in getting people to come right. forward? Yeah, I think it's more that. I mean, it's yeah. things that have, you know obviously have happened in the past and uh, things have been talked about and uh, details of you know 10 different lawsuits and how they played out in court either through settlements uh, or you know findings from from juries. Fascinating story uh, over the last couple of years, and and uh, the the breakdown of all the lawsuits is separate than the main story. So if you've uh, read the main story, which I obviously recommend with in the Review Journal, um, you can also go check out just the details of all the different ten lawsuits and see exactly what has come up over the years. And again, it could be more, and um, we'll just continue to monitor the story as you know uh, as we will at the Review Journal and and talk about it here as they come up, but. Uh, 10 lawsuits over the last 10 years and kind of how they have all played out. Number four. So the, we talked earlier about the potential of baseball mm-hmm. coming to Las Vegas. The mm-hmm. relocation fee uh, waived allegedly, you know, reportedly by Major League Baseball if the A's want to come to Vegas. Uh, but there is also the potential that the NBA could be the third. We already have two of the you know major sports. Obviously, we have a ton of franchises here, and uh, we love all of them. But uh, two major sports here. The question is, what's the third? Because both of them have been very, very successful in the Golden Knights and the Raiders. Does baseball or NBA win the race to be the third into the market? Uh, baseball looks like they're trying with the waving of the relocation and potentially and how that could play out. Uh, but NBA has always been the one that I think people have thought. People thought it would be the first one here. Now people definitely think it could be the third one here, and we have more details on the potential arena project uh, down in kind of my hood. Uh, it would be a resort slash Southern Nevada arena. is your hood. Come That's on, true. bro. 
But this is, I mean, this is right up the street. You're known everywhere. I I basically live on the 15. I mean, my house is like 20 yards from the I-15 exit. Um, and just for you, all that you know, Adam has surveillance cameras, so he can see you coming. Well, people, I mean, listen, I when I had all the death threats last year, it was people were sending me pictures of my house. So it's not that hard to find, I guess, <laughs> uh, where my house is. People were sending them out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I live like right there on the 15, and this project would be just three exits away at the 15 in Blue Diamond. So essentially, if you uh, are are familiar with that area at all, it's south of the old outlet mall down mm-hmm. there where I had my first ever uh, job. In Las Vegas. Do you know what used to be at that intersection for his, some old Vegas history buffs? Wait, at that inter- the, not the not the same corner of the. Inter- I don't think anything's ever been on that corner. I don't know if it's the same corner, but it's at Blue Diamond in Las Vegas Boulevard. Way back sure. in the day, when I was a senior in high school, was the original Las Vegas softball complex where there were no like you know you had your parks, but that's where like softball leagues. That's where they went. Really? Yep. Uh, well, right now there is. There's really nothing on the southwest corner. Uh, the southeast corner has Steiner's and Starbucks, and there's a gas station and car wash, and it was, uh, there's a grocery store. It was on the west side of the strip. I just don't remember what intersection. There was nothing else out there. So maybe it was this. Maybe it was the northwest, which is where this casino resort, uh, multi-billion dollar project could be. Uh, details were discussed. Uh, by some of the primary officials, um, including Mark Bidane, former president of the Raiders, who has signed on to this project uh, in a Q&A that was published in the Review Journal this weekend. And sounds like they're right now aiming for a 20,000-seat arena for basketball. They don't have any guarantees on a basketball team yet, but obviously that would be a big, uh, you know, starter. The, the NBA could go to T-Mobile. It's already built for two teams, but they had an NBA-specific arena uh, as part of a resort project. That would be... I think very appealing to the NBA, who we know is going to be very soon looking to add two teams to get that expansion fee money and kind of uh, try to make up for some of the COVID losses. So uh, it would make sense that Vegas, and we've heard Seattle as well being the other team, could move into this project. But, man, we just keep building arenas. And they and as it's talked about in this story, Randy Morton and Mark Bidane talked to the Review Journal. Uh, they just said, like, how many ever arenas we build? It just seems like they're coming. And they, they made an interesting point. If this arena slash casino resort project is done by 2026, which is the target date, break ground in 2023, done by 2026, it seems like, and I think this is accurate, every 10 years or so, there's like a major jump in facilities in terms of what what is learned about arenas, what is learned about construction and ingress and egress, and what's learned about uh, acoustics, um, everything, service, and, and all the different things that go into arenas, it's about every 10 years. And if this is done in 2026, Team Hall Arena will be like 10 years old. That is yeah. nuts yeah. to think about. So we think of it as this brand new, you know, shiny object. Not not that it'll be antiquated, but it'll, there'll be a significant jump in what arenas are by that time. And that's about when they would be targeting for an NBA team to come into this new arena, which would be, I think, very cool. And obviously with new projects, you hope that they're successful and that it also incorporates well because that's another thing they said is like all these arenas just they figure out ways to get sold and people fill them up and they find new new events and new concerts and new shows to come in and we just keep filling up these arenas. Yeah, it's it's uh it is crazy when you think about it. You talk about T-Mobile and then just, you know, for some of us who remember when the Thomas and Mac opened. I was talking to a gentleman yesterday. I was at a little event and 
he was talking about how he was friends with Sidney Green back in the day. He's like, yeah. I was like, yeah, that was before the Thomas and Mack. And they were playing over in the Rotunda. He goes, yeah. He goes, well, I used to go see him when they played at the convention center. So I'm not sure, like, if they played part of their games where you're talking about. I was like, no, 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 the Rotunda was the convent. That was the – it looked like a flying saucer. It was the Rotunda at the convention center. So, I mean – you think about the progression, of, and now there's, like you said, so many facilities. And when you say arena, to a lot of people, they're going to immediately think Thomas and Mack, T-Mobile, Allegiant. But let's not forget about the in-casino with the MGM Grand Garden. Of course. Right, Mandalay, Orleans, South Point. There's all those other facilities. The Sphere. The Sphere is coming. Um, I was saying existing, but yeah. dollar loan, yeah. DLC, right? So, I mean, there's so many. I mean, at some point, we're going to have – enough facilities where you can entertain the thought of okay what more needs to be done to just go ahead and make a bid on the olympics and however many years in advance that could be you know i mean just it could be 12 16 years i'm just saying it takes a lot of facilities well we're headed that way we have them yeah we're headed that way let me ask you this real quick because you said you know nba a lot of people thought if you if i were to take you back to when did you start at the RJ? Was that 2000? Uh, I mean, it's no, it's uh, well, as a stringer, I think it was 1998. And okay. I, I will say that next month I will be uh, celebrating my 20 year anniversary as a full time employee at the RJ, which is nuts. Okay. So if let's go back to then. You graduate from UNLV, you're, you're now an official employee. Let's go back then. Say, okay, Adam, in 25 years, all four sports will be here. What order are you putting it in? I would have said NBA, NHL, MLB, NFL. Wow. I knew NFL was last, and I was so wrong. I don't think I ever would have thought, but if I, so, if someone said you have to put all four, then you have to. But I wouldn't. I would have said um, I probably would have said NHL last, huh. and I would have said NBA first. The other two would have been. I probably would have went NBA, MLB, NFL, NHL. That would have been my order. Yeah, I, I mean, I, 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 I know why you're saying that, but I also just thought the NFL was so staunch. Oh yeah, and it's anti-Vegas, yeah. and I always thought NFL would work best. Yeah, but I always thought that it would be the last to, uh, to kind of break down some of their objections. It turns out, nope, they were they were right there. As soon as the NHL came in, they were in. So yeah. way off on the order, and way off on the fact that the NFL would never come here. But NBA is something that we've thought for a long time would come here, and it does appear we could potentially be one step closer. Number three. Well, Bryce Harper suffered a fractured left thumb when he was hit by a pitch the other night in San Diego. I believe it was Saturday night. Uh, the days kind of ran together as I was down there. Uh, I bring this up only because obviously he's from Las Vegas and, uh, you know, a Las Vegas hero, Bryce Harper, uh, and a very, very good player. I mean, his he was having a June to remember. I would say the yeah. June of a lifetime, except that Bryce Harper's had several of those months. He's been incredible this month. Goes down, gets injured. Um, and I, I may may not have brought it up except for the fact that I was there. Yeah, uh, heard it. It was you know it sounded awful. And did, wait, was it, it was? Did you go to multiple games? Yeah, or, to every game. Oh, okay. I was going to say because I know the one that you went to. I didn't realize that you followed up and went to yeah. the next. Okay. Yeah. So uh, yeah, because you were sitting. I I saw your seats. Yeah, we. You just you, you wait till game time and you know try to try to. Uh, I got you. Have a breakdown. Yeah. So. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it was it was a good time, and obviously, as I said, I saw got to see Bryce Harper, Las Vegas, and two UNLV legends. I had a, a trivia question for some of the people I was with. Took a photo of the infield and said, 
what two former UNLV stars are in this photo. Everybody got Bryson Stott, but it was Matt Williams coaching third base for the Padres that was also there. So a cool little uh, moment for Las Vegas, I thought, with all that talent out on the field and a a good trip. And, man, I I love love that stadium and that area, the location. Highly recommend. If you have not been able to go down there, I will speak for JVT, who I ran into after the Thursday game, hung out with for a little bit. He was just like, man, that place is nice. It is. It's an awesome time, an awesome little uh, trek down uh, to San Diego for a few games, and it was cool to see. Number two. All right. There, there's a lot of layers to this, oh, this story. I don't know if you saw I don't know if you picked up, but it really came from just one tweet oh, uh, that was kind of circulating yeah. out there. There was a guy at a baseball game in Chicago this weekend. He This is his, his first problem, and we know somebody that does this. I don't have to call them out, but they have their text on their phone set to the ultimate highest number where basically you have like 70 fonts on your phone. Yeah. You only, you can only get like one letter in each, like in each scroll. And this gentleman who's sitting at the game with his very young daughter, which I think is the most disturbing part of this, but whatever, to each his own. I don't think she's looking at his phone, so... Maybe she's not reading this. He is soliciting a lady of the night on his phone and saying some graphic things that he wants to do to her and negotiating a specific price, which I think was on a gift card, which is even the most weird thing. Unless that's just how how these deals are done. I don't know. But do we have more of a problem with this guy doing this at the game with his daughter, which I really don't, if she's not like seeing it. Or do we have more of a problem with somebody filming over this guy's shoulder and putting his business out there? Sort of an invasion of privacy. Sort of. And, and the but other also, friend, whoever bro, he's texting. Here's the other thing. Here's the other text, and you can see the, the contact. Yeah, he, uh, that's true, too. Uh, so you're really, I mean, you're you're doxing somebody, essentially. Yeah. Um, I, I have a problem with taping this guy and his conversation, but you're asking for it when you have this big a font on your phone. And texting what you happen to be texting. I mean, the uh, the vernacular is... Oh, it's... I mean, the language is graphic. It's about as graphic as you're going to sure, get. Sure, I mean... And what he wants to do for his $100 gift card. <laughs> it, seems like, it seems like a scam. I don't know. I, I, I have no idea. So now if you scroll... But here's the thing. If you, if you click on what you sent me and then you scroll down, someone quotes it and said, that's nothing compared to this. And... Someone his, uh, somebody is texting someone and talking about buying a snow cone and doing something with it, and <laughs> so I mean it's, okay. I mean, so obviously people don't because this dude's font is really big. Also, it, this other guy, I, I get, man. Did you see the other one? You, yes, oh, but okay. you folks with your large font, I guess you just can't see. But knock it off. Like especially if you, and if you're gonna have the giant font because you have to have giant font because you have to see it, I get it, I guess. But don't be sending these messages in public. But my question is, if you have to have it that big, don't shouldn't you just go get your eyes fixed? Get or go get like get well, better prescription. I mean, I have I have terrible like my vision. I'm almost legally blind in my left eye. I have a terrible stigmatism. Let's just say, for example, so, I mean, maybe you like tried and maybe it went wrong. 
maybe you try to get it fixed and it okay, went wrong. Okay, well then don't text that kind of stuff with that's, your daughter. I think that's next what I say. Yeah, yeah. Like, look, if you have to have the giant font, you have to have the giant font. It, it is what it is. But you got to know that if your phone is out, people can see everything that you're writing. If it's that big, it's like a like the top line of an eye test. I think someone who's attached, whose name is attached to this show, has a somewhat big font. Not as big, but no, that big. Oh, is it that big? Yeah, that's what I'm. That's what I'm getting at. And I didn't call the person out, but there is somebody, yes, that has the text that big on the well, phone. Well, I don't read his stuff, but you could just see neither what, do I. You but, you can't if if the phone is out, you can't help it. You could you could put it outside this right, room. You just see that there's big writing on it. Right. Yeah. It's crazy. So yes, I guess if you're going to have this font, which some people might have to have because their eyes, don't send these kind of texts in public, and then we don't have to worry about who's right or who's wrong for filming it. Number one. I, like, I just talked about how much I loved being in San Diego for all these games and watching them over the weekend. I kind of wish I was in Anaheim. <laughs> now, I hate that stadium. It stinks. There's not as much to do around it. There is one cool brewery around there, but uh, there's certainly not as much to do in Anaheim. But wow, was this a fun brawl that we got to see? And it really was set up all throughout the weekend because there was some shenanigans on Friday night. Then there was obviously throwing at both Trout and Otani on Saturday. You knew something was going to happen Sunday. The umpires did a, I thought, horrible job of kind of letting it go in the first inning. So then we got to the second. Jesse Winker gets hit. He starts to look like he's going to run a first. Just he's going to stand there for a second and and think about it and send the message that they're not happy. His dugout's yelling for an ejection. And then Winker heard something from the Angels dugout and just went ballistic. And look, things happen. <laughs> There was a lot. There was a lot to this. Uh, obviously, the Rizel Iglesias throwing the entire like box of sunflower seeds and whatever else was in it out on the field was humorous, uh, but it also is dangerous. And we know like Anthony Rendon is out for the year with wrist surgery. He was trying to not throw punches because he can't ball up his fist, but like throw like little jabs in there. And he kind of grabbed Winker's face with like a, a half slap, half grab. Um, there was a lot that went on in this. I don't know. It, it, se- it seems it seems like a bit much, but you also, if you let things get to this level, like their guys are going to lose their minds, and that's what happened. Especially, I thought with the umpires not doing anything in the first inning, when you knew the same umpires have been part of the series, they do the same things the teams did. How do you let it get to that after the first inning when it cl- was clear that they were throwing at the Mariners? Yeah, well, and then they specifically put an opener. Right? Was it? Somebody put the opener in yeah. to just to do that. I think the best thread, and it's not even a thread. I think it's just you have to go look at is, is our good friend Greg Beecham, my colleague with the yeah. Associated Press, because he, he was good. there. But the, so he's he's giving you the the play by play in terms of everything. Because at one point I retweeted and said bench is cleared, punches thrown in in Anaheim. But then from there, if you just scroll his entire timeline throughout the game, throughout the day, little things. Then he shoots. He sends out a video of. Fans has some pushing and shoving behind home plate and a serious weight class mismatch. Tempers running short all over the Big A today. And then the quotes that followed it, Jesse Winker saying, the only thing I'm going to apologize for is flipping the fans yeah, he gives off. a double bird to the fans as he left. Yeah. Um, Scott surveys. It was pretty clear what was going on. They switched, put an opener to throw balls at us, got out of hand from there. So, um but Greg, Greg's t- timeline was great to, to at least – you're not there so you can follow along with it if you're not watching. Um, but, yeah, that would have been wild to be there in attendance. And I, I wish we had a lip-reading expert because I know uh, Jesse Jesse Winker said, you know, he he gave the double bird as he left. But he also, I thought, said 
I'll fight all of you mother blankers. Oh. Is what I th- what it looked like he said, uh, which I wish he would have stood by that and said yes. Now there was a positive, I guess, story that kind of came out of this that people are talking about. <sighs> there's angles to that too, and there's some negativity about the positivity, so we'll get to that next. It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. Kind of wish it would have hit me in the face. I mean, I don't break bones in my face, so. <laughs> I mean, I can take 98 to the face, but I can't take 97 to the top, so. Yeah, I kind of was in protection mode a little bit. Um, trying to get my hand up there and not let it hit me again. Um, it's just, it's a bummer. It's really bummed out. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota studio. 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 Bryce Harper, we just talked about his unfortunate hit by pitch with the broken thumb over the weekend. We talked about the brawl as well uh, in Anaheim, and there was a good story that came out of it. I think a lot of people saw this. A fan of Jesse Winker, a fan of the Mariners, ordered a pizza after the ejection because they said this girl was like hey look that sucks had a terrible day you know what cheer me up a pizza so she ordered a pizza and on the oop i don't know what the the app it was was a i think it was you're right it's doordash uh the doordash app she's communicating with the driver and she's like hey i know it's difficult but please take this to the visitor's clubhouse and make sure that jesse winker gets the pizza and she communicated she showed the text where she's communicating with the driver and and he says Look, it's taking a while because there's not parking, and I don't really know where I'm supposed to get this in. But she also tagged Jesse Winker on Instagram and said, I said a pizza. I hope it gets to you. Jesse Winker responded that he did get there. Now, the driver, rightfully so, uh, was blown up on Twitter and Instagram. People were sending him tips for figuring out how to get this pizza (laughs) in to Jesse Winker. Very cool story. Sent out a story of the family, which uh, a picture of the family. It's a really lovely family. Very cool story. All this is great. My concern is a couple things. First of all, can you eat the pizza if somebody sends it? You're in a road city. I know that it's tough. You don't know if somebody's actually – because you just fought with their team. Now, it turns out this pizza wasn't from the city, but that's a little troubling. And does it give people ideas of what they could do? But also, here's the other thing. I don't want people to see how great this story is, and it's an awesome, wonderful story, and then start now, now doing this. Every time yeah. something bad happens, yeah. let this be an individual story that was awesome and, and very let, cool. Let, let, yeah, and let, let it stand go. on the show. Now, we don't need everybody to do this. Now, what was on the pizza? That's a fair question. Because because we have a our our poll question today, of course, sponsored by the presented by the Perfect Gym. Uh, does pineapple belong on pizza? So far, fifty two votes. The no at fifty three point eight percent. The yes at forty six point two percent on the ESPN Las Vegas at ESPN Las Vegas Twitter timeline. The Cofield and Company poll question of the day: Does pineapple belong on pizza? And the answer is yes. I mean, not every pizza, of course. No, but it's certain you know, ham and pineapple pizza is an amazing, amazing. The Hawaiian treat. pizza, as they call it, the ham and pineapple, and I don't mind it sometimes if I want that little sweetness with my pepperoni. But it's 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 when you crave it. Otherwise, it's pepperoni for me. Well, we and have you to, and I have our favorite. We spot. have to have we have to have Lincoln Kennedy weigh out on this. Of course, he's joining us next. Talk about the Raiders. What's going on in the offseason and getting ready for training camp? Cofield and Company will be back in minutes, right here on ESPN Las Vegas. Max is one of those players that demands double teams. He demands that respect. I thought about that. I said, Hey, you know what? I feel like I'm one of those players that demands double teams. They have eleven guys. We have eleven guys. <laughs> 
They don't have enough to double team both right. of us. It, it's going to be fun, and it's been fun. Uh, Max loves football, so just being in the locker room with him, his locker's right next to mine, talking to him. He's a guy that loves football, and it, and it makes work easy. Now, back to Coalfield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. Yo, exciting times for the Raiders on their defense. Uh, that, that dynamic duo getting ready to wreak havoc on the rest of the AFC West. They're here, Chandler Jones, I believe, right, with Colin Cowherd uh, talking about Max Crosby. Good stuff there, and I'm sure we always get good stuff. I mean, we do always get good stuff. I'm sure we'll get good stuff as usual. From Lincoln Kennedy, former Raider great. You can hear him uh, all the time on radio and broadcast, everything else. Uh, Lincoln, we appreciate your time. We have to get you started with the most important question of our day. It's an old question for sure. But are you a pineapple on pizza guy? No. Okay. All right. No. That's fair. No. Not uh, even with a ham? Pizza. <laughs> <laughs> who, who, who likes pineapple on pizza? I'm not, to each his own, but no, no, I'm not a pineapple on pizza. All right. I mean, that's fair enough. I mean, I'm not like on every pizza, but I think if you got a nice ham and oh. pineapple, it's, it's fine. You know, I've had, it, I've, I've had it before. It wasn't bad. It just wouldn't be my choice. It wouldn't be like if I called up a pizza place, I would say, give me a you know what is it, Hawaiian or something yes, like that? Yeah, yeah, give me, yeah. give me a wine. No, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't ask for that like so, like that. But you know, so when you're sitting back with a nice snifter full of your favorite liqueur and you got one mm-hmm. of your big stogies, what what's mm-hmm. what's Lincoln's pizza? What's what's the order coming? My, I, I like a deep dish, and I like sausage, mushrooms, olives, and onions. Okay, and I'm 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 I'm, I'm a guy like that. All right, salsa, pepperoni, and stuff like that. Matter of fact, in college, one of my one of my biggest uh, things when I had the, the meal card at school is I would go get a calzone at night, and it would consist of you know sausage, mushrooms, <laughs> all that other stuff. Right. That's one way, one reason why I was able to put on so much weight in college. <laughs> <laughs> love it, and I'm glad you said olives because I'm an olive guy, and I get grief for that. But yeah. I love olives. Yeah. That's, that's I love great. olives as well. So good. Um, we we have not. I know you've you've talked about this, but we have not had you on. Uh, over here on our show, since mm-hmm. uh, Brent Musburger uh, was announced as uh, as walking away, just c- kind of some you know some uh, memories from you of working with him, and obviously uh, a legend in the business. You know, well, the, the first part is is that you know legend in the business, and and Brent showed me so and taught me so much. It was such a pleasure working with him. I mean, it was like it was really surreal when I looked at it and and realized who I was working with. I mean, I actually grew up watching him on CBS you know, sports. And I remember being in awe as a little kid of Jane Kennedy and, and just like Jimmy the Greek. I didn't understand it at the time because I didn't understand gambling, but like all the things he was doing and that whole, that whole staff and that, you know, that experience, but working next to him, it was absolutely wonderful. I, I remember the first time when, you know, he, he came up with it, with his phrase, you know, jackpot. And I looked at him, I was like, where the hell did that come from? And <laughs> And then I, I remember that was that that was just stick. That was how you you know set yourself apart from everyone else. And then it caught on. I began to like it. I was like, okay, Vegas jackpot, bam. And there was one game I don't remember who we were playing against, but I would always lay off after the Raiders would score a touchdown since he started saying jackpot because I knew it was coming. And so the Raiders score, and I'm waiting. I lay out, and then I turn and I look at him, and he looks at me like, what? I said, don't we get a jackpot? <laughs> he came back. And he came back after the Raiders converted. I guess the two, uh, the extra point or something like that. It was like jackpot, baby. Like, okay, all right, all right. So a little delay, but we got it out. So yeah, it was, it was experiences like that that showed me so much about the business and how to be different. You know, and, and I'm, I'm re- reminded of, of a story because I told it um, a couple times when it, when it, especially when it came immediately to mind. 
last year after Coach Madden had passed, I met John Madden for the first time and actually had to talk to him or had a chance to talk with him when um, I was coming into the business in 2004 after I had just retired. And, you know, of course, the Raider family, the, the, the tie and stuff like that. I remember meeting him with Mr. D. And, um, you know, we were sitting down chatting, and he's like, so what are you going to do right now, Big Phil? And I said, well, I'm trying to get a broadcast. I'm working with the NFL Network. And some, the, the best piece of advice that he gave me was that there are so many people who do this job, you have to create your own voice. And I didn't know what it meant at the time. I tried to figure I eventually figured it out. But, you know, when people talked about athletes or former football players or coaches coming into the business of broadcasting, they often said what made them different, what set them apart. You know, what, and I was realizing that for the most part, a lot of quarterbacks were getting the job because of their charismatic, most, usually most recognizable player on the team, and because of the way they knew the game. But Coach Madden was different because he simplified everything. He made everything simple, easy to understand. The tackle falls over and boom, he knocks a snot bubble over the defensive tackle. And, you know, people would laugh at that and be like, yeah, a snot bubble. You know, you would get that. And the same thing was with Brent Musburger. His time, his synergy over this course of his career, I, mean, I don't know by no means is he finished yet, but a man who was able to do television, radio, you know, write as a newspaper writer, you know, all of that and still maintain his sanity is something special on its own. You know, great, great stuff from Lincoln Kennedy on uh, Brent Musburger and his uh, departure from the Raiders yeah. broadcast. Uh, we, the Raiders have done a lot of work. Uh, this offseason, for yeah. sure. Obviously, from the front office to the coaching staff to the field of play. How close do you think this roster is to a finished product being ready to go into the season? I'm hoping that it's close because the window is closing. Yeah. The window of opportunity is closing. Um, the thing is, is that when you – and I'm not saying it's right or wrong. We just have to see. I, I personally don't think you're, you're – you don't know how good you are until you play against somebody. So I don't care what you put on paper. And there were many teams that I felt were strong as far as the names, especially when I played. That, or that we were going to be able to do anything, do something, and we we never did. It was usually more of the most unlikely teams that you would see uh, get something done in that, that year that we made a run to the Super Bowl. So with this team, to me, the window is closing. It's closing fast. But the main part is that when you have a quarterback, you have a chance. I'm not saying that Derek Carr is the best, but I was saying that Derek Carr is the best option for this team right now. They don't have any other choice. You have to go with them. And so they chose to go with them. So now you got to win. And, and there's only going to be so much time that the fan base is going to tolerate, you know, almost, almost, almost. And I was been, I've been one of those analysts that said, you know, how long do you stick with something before you force your hand to make a change? The Raiders committed another three years to them, and they had to. They had to for a number of reasons. You're bringing in a new coach, and there were too many teams that were looking for quarterbacks out there. It wasn't like you were going to find any. You didn't have a position to draft one uh, because where you were picking. So you would have to find that you have to do something about the quarterback position. Well, you've got a capable quarterback. Statistically, he can do it, make every throw in the football field. But it's, it's, and people want to blame the team or whatever, however you want to look at it, the breakdown over the last eight years. It is what it is. Um, and they're in a position where they have to win and they have to win now. So I'm hoping that it works out for them. Well, and, and on that note, Link, um, the AFC West obviously upgraded as a whole and arguably yeah. the, the best division of quarterbacks. But do the Raiders have the best big three in place for Carr when you're talking from tight end to maybe your slot guy to your big playmaker in Adams, Renfro, Waller? You remember that Super Bowl a couple of years ago where uh, Tampa beat the snot out of Kansas City? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And why did they beat him? They beat him because Patrick Mahomes is running for his life, didn't have an offensive line. 
what did they do the following year? They addressed the offensive line and made them better. I don't care who you have at quarterback. I don't care who you have at receiver. If you don't address that offensive line and get that remedy and get that fixed, the quarterback's going to be running for his life, and you're not going to be very good. I say that to say this. I think they have enough weapons, but they've had enough weapons in my opinion. You know, Hunter Renfro, you know, you can say you, you got Darren Waller, you got Josh Jacobs running back by committee, however you want to look at it. They've had all those pieces over the last couple of years. It's had some success, but not as much as we would like. Um, you, when you talk about this division as a whole, you can't consider the Chiefs a rivalry because the, Chief, the Raiders have only beat, what, them one in 10 years or 10 times, something like that, whatever it is. You know, however it breaks down, that's not a rivalry. <laughs> you know that so you you toss up the other teams where I've said you know an error and and other mediums that uh, I think the Broncos I thought the Broncos were just a quarterback away and really having a good football team. Well, now they've got a proven quarterback. I don't know how good Russell Wilson's going to be in a Bronco uniform, but he's got a cape. He's got a history. So he and he was once upon a time the most uh, uniquely and creative quarterback I had ever seen. Um, next to Patrick Mahomes, but um, he, he's there. You know what the Chargers are, and, and you know what you got in the Chiefs. So this is the competitive division that's going to beat up on everyone. I think Derek Carr offensively as a quarterback has enough weapons at his disposal. Uh, there's no shortage of that. But if they don't fix that offensive line, they're not going to be doing the darn thing. Well, and I'll just follow up on that. I mean, they, they had largely the same offensive line last year. They found a yeah. way to make the playoffs. I mean, could, could they – could they kind of take that confidence? And obviously Leatherwood was better at the end of the year. We don't know where he's going to end up this year. But can they take that, you know, the progress that they made? And even though they didn't play at a necessarily high level, they got the job done and maybe they build off that a little bit going into this year. But you got to take into consideration and bring in a new coach, a new system. Yeah. yeah. You see what I'm saying? And that type of intangible can change a lot of factors. We don't know. We just don't know. I mean, you think about it, we only going, we're going off for the Gruden tenure. When Gruden was there, the starters didn't play preseason. Now, I'm one of those guys that think that affected them, especially in the early part of the season. And it affected them sometimes in a negative way with injuries and things up and stuff like that, or just inconsistencies. But, you know, I don't know what Josh McDaniels is going to do during preseason. I don't know if the starters are going to play. I don't know if we're going to see Leatherwood. I don't know who's going to be the right tackle, who's going to be the right guard. You know what I mean? The how, how are you going to do those types of things and how they're going to, if they're going to be able to gel in this type of system? You just don't know until you see it. So, you know, based off of what you're talking about, yeah, they did make the playoffs. And, hey, for, for the most part, the, the, the AFC champion, the Cincinnati Bengals, really gave – their offensive line gave up the most sacks in the playoffs. They were one of the worst in the playoffs, and they still made it to the Super Bowl. So there's hope there. Yeah. But you, you're talking about a competitive division. You're talking about a stacked AFC, let alone who you've got to face in the NFC, a stacked AFC. Um, so it, it's going to be a difficult schedule, a difficult ride. There you go. Lincoln Kennedy, always great stuff. We just talked about uh, NFL is like a tw- it's a 12-month deal for sure. There's really no yeah. offseason. But these next these next three weeks really are the offseason, right? So uh, hopefully yeah. you're getting some rest, enjoying yourself a little bit. Oh, I'm always enjoying myself, <laughs> even when I'm working. Yeah, I got true. an easy job. Look, I got, I got a pretty tush, guys. I get to sit up in the booth, watch football all the time. It's, it, it's not hard. <laughs> you know what I'm going um, but. But no, it's. It, I'm looking forward to the season. It, it's going to be. It's going to be a great season, it really. Is and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to seeing the fans come to Legion again. Uh, last year was so memorable because every home game was an experience. It was an entertainment. It was. It was something you know you didn't. I didn't expect to see. You know, Gladys Knight, Dion Ward, Ice Cube, Too Short, all these guys performing. I mean, you, you, you know, I've never seen that. Even when we were in Oakland, never saw that. Anything like that. So, um, and it was only for special occasions, playoffs, or you know, special night. Uh, this was every weekend. So every week one was an experience of seeing the fans and, and seeing the nation out there. And more importantly, supporting the team. I'm, I'm looking forward to 
watching the Raiders go out there and perform. I'm looking forward to seeing how the Josh McDaniels era translates and, and how everything, if we can bring the success that they had over at that other team on the East Coast, if they can bring it here. All right, well, great stuff. And I think, speaking of experiences at Allegiant, that nightclub is amazing. I think we need to get you, <laughs> you, you need to do a game from the nightclub. That would be, a, that would be tremendous. See, that, that would be way too many distractions. I, I, I can't do that. It's almost like, you know, I, I'm glad that I'm going to play in the World Series of Poker before the season starts because they were trying to get me to come during the season said that's not happening. Do it before the 4th of July and I'm good. Anything after that, i got to get ready for football. There you go, man. Good luck. We, we, we appreciate it. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Have a good one. There you go. Lincoln Kennedy, always, always great stuff from him. And no pineapple on the pizza. So we disagreed there from the top. Yeah. So two to one vote. That sucks. It is what it is. Well, the, the listeners can decide, though. They can check out the poll question and see uh, see what we're, where we end up, bringing those final results, and close things out. The Aces back in action tonight. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Cofield and Company presents Grab Bag, only on ESPN Las Vegas. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Back here, wrapping things up, Cofield and Company, on this Monday. Hill is always edition, Adam Hill, Willie Ramirez. Great stuff there from Lincoln Kennedy. Great stuff from all the guests today. Jake Weingarten, Lindy LaRock uh, on the program. I just, I just, oh, Darren Millard from South Africa. He's where, he's where he is on Prince Edward Island on the east coast of Canada, but as according to our use in South Africa. Uh, very, very good stuff. Uh, from all of them today. So go back and listen to the replay of the podcast. We'll tweet those out after the show to come check them out. Willie, a, we talked about the Raiders, talked about potentially baseball here, talked about the Lady Rebels. We talked about the Golden talked Knights. About the Golden Knights. There's another, well, I was going to say dominant pro team in the market. Kind of falling on some hard times, though. Two straight losses for the Las Vegas Aces. Panic time? Well, considering the fact that this is a team that at the start of the season, Becky Hammond said, you know, yeah, we're going to spread it out. We're going to create space and we're going to be an offensive juggernaut. We're going to shoot the ball and she's going to encourage them to keep shooting. Miss or not, you get an open shot, you better shoot it. But defense is what this team was predicating its success on. They start off 10-1. and one. They were allowing 80 points per game on 41.5% shooting. During a 4 and 3 stretch, they're allowing 88 points per game on 44.8% shooting. Tonight they're in LA and they've done they're they're undefeated against the Western Conference, but they've lost four um three games and all three have been against the or they've lost four games. They've all been against Eastern the, powers. East, the Eastern Powers. Two to Washington, one to Connecticut, and one to what was that one? Connecticut. I always Connecticut? pronounce it exactly how it's spelled okay. on purpose. Um, and one to Chicago in the 28-point uh, comeback for the Sky. So it's a little troublesome just because they've predicated their success on defense, and that's what's being exploited right now. Yeah, and certainly in that in that comeback, I mean, they just stopped playing defense yeah. uh, with the lead. They thought the game was over, and it wasn't. And I think... That's a good lesson. I think the 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 losses are fine if you learn from them and see your flaws. Like I think you don't want to go into like we've talked about this being a very very good team that has some flaws and that they've overcome those flaws so well. But you don't want to just feel like, "Oh, is it really a problem? Like is our depth a problem? Is our defense a problem?" No, cuz we're overcoming it. Right. Well, 
you're not right now. So I, I think that, you know, that could be good uh, for a team to kind of learn from that and say, all right, look, we haven't been able to overcome these things. We have to fi- get them figured out and fixed and corrected if we want to reach the goals that we have. So uh, they will try to do that as a continued season in L.A. tonight. But as you said, haven't lost to a Western team yet. So that could bode well for this Aces team trying to get it done. Well, that'll do it from us, for us, from ESPN Las Vegas Studios. Uh, Willie Ramirez, Adam Hill, closing things out. We thank, as I we said. I didn't snap at anybody. You didn't? Somehow you got through it. You guys brought my mood up. I was. Have we seen an update on the pineapple vote? Oh, let me get it real quick. The poll question. Make sure you check that out. <laughs> look, the look up music is going. It is official. Out. It is official. No 53.8%. The you, you and I are in the minority. 46.2% for yes. All right. So no on the pineapples on the pizza. We'll continue the week. Another Hill and his homies edition tomorrow. You'll have to tune in to find out who's with us, though. We'll get to so much more.